Take your Bibles and turn to Second Peter, chapter number two, and we're going to start in verse number seventeen. Second Peter, chapter number two, and verse number seventeen. False freedoms. We're going to look at this for the next couple Sunday nights. False freedoms, or false freedom, I should say. Second Peter, chapter number two, and we'll start reading in verse number seventeen. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For they speak great swelling words of vanity. They allure through the flesh, uh, sorry, through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape from them who live in error, while they promise them liberty. They set themselves are they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. For it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to wallow in the mire. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, I pray, Lord, you encourage our hearts. And thank you for these dear folks who are here this evening. Lord, there are so many who would try to fool and lead astray. Lord, help us as a church to be solid upon your word to know the truth, and to defend it. Lord, I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. It's a very sad scenario to see Christians or people who have attended. I do not know people's hearts. No no one does. Uh, But uh, to see people leave a church that taught the gospel and then wander off into the cults. Uh, maybe I'll do a little show of hands. Have you known, have you been in a church and saw that happen? Would you raise your hand? If you know there was Christian or people called themselves Christian in the church and then left and went to a cult. Alright, so a few of us have seen it. Alright, so it's not an unknown factor. Uh, and Paul, or sorry, Peter is confronting that. They, they, they say they're liberated. I, I've talked to them after they've left, uh, I mean, they've left Independent Baptist Church, what I grew up in. And left and went to a cult and talked to them later. And they say, oh, I feel liberated now. Liberated? Uh, that's definitely not the word I would use. Uh, and it's sad to see that they uh, they reject the truth. And, and there's so many people today oh, who maybe never have uh, been involved with the church or uh, the faith of Jesus Christ. And say, I don't have time for that now. Uh, you probably have heard that as you testified or witnessed or talked to people about your faith. I don't have time for that now. I don't believe that anymore. My life's better now. You know, they all like the word freedom. I'm free. I have liberty. You understand the word freedom is a concept that's very important today, yet no one really understands the meaning of the word. They don't. If I was to gather, and this is in the realm of political, but if I was to get a communist to come up here and stand with me and describe to you freedom, do you think it would be different than someone who believes in democracy? Oh, yeah. 
It'd be vastly different. I can remember as a child, uh, I mean, as a young teenager, uh, we had all kinds of people getting off airplanes in Gander, Newfoundland, and escaping from Eastern Europe. And our church would have more refugees than the, what are gathered here in our church this evening. Our, we had a, a, a auditorium that could fit about 300, and we had a gymnasium that could fit about 150, and there was 150 refugees in there every Sunday night. They'd never heard of Jesus before. Some of them had, and once they found out about a good church, they started coming, and they started bringing everybody else who was fleeing the communist realm. And we had folks come to our house to, uh, to eat with us and have them for dinner and things. And I guarantee you, the communist thought of freedom is nothing close to what we think. It, but they told me it scared me to death. How could you live like that? So there, we would get all kinds of different uh, concepts of freedom, wouldn't we? And really, there's no one who is completely free in the sense of they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, how they want it, and so forth and so on. No one has that freedom. On earth, God can do whatever He wants. He's God. Well, I'm referring to man. No one has that. The apostates offer freedom. Come with us. Listen to our teaching. Embrace what we do. And that freedom is the bait. Come with us. We have freedom. Come with us. We have liberty. Come with us. And they lead those away. They lead away the unstable converts. And they lead those converts away into terrible bondage, not liberty. They lead them into some horrible things. So we see a few things. Uh, Peter's going to give us some things why it's, why it's false. It's based on the false, it's based on false promises. These are wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. Faith is only as good as the object you put your faith in, isn't it? The uh, pagan may have great faith in his idol. Uh, I remember when we came to Brampton uh, uh, 2010, we looked at a lot of houses to uh, look to buy and things. And I remember going, and I'd never seen this before, being from the backwaters of Newfoundland, okay? I walked into some mulatto homes. I smelled some really interesting things and saw all kinds of interesting things. But I'll never forget a few homes I went into and there was idols everywhere. There was prayer rooms with incense burning and idols everywhere. I mean, as a child growing up in Newfoundland, I thought I was in the midst of a, of a pagan world, you know, that we get the stories, you know, missionary stories they told us kids to us. You know, and they, they served all these gods. I mean, they're all over the place. Now, they, they could have put all their faith in that idol, but that idol will do nothing for them. They could bow down continuously, burn all the incense they want. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, oh, His promises are good, aren't they? They are, they, they are firm. They have not failed. There have not failed one word. Of all his good promises, First Kings eight fifty six. He, he, put your faith in him, you'll see so much accomplished, not through your work, but through his. All right. But Peter uses some vivid illustrations. I like vivid. All right. And he talks about wells without water. Now, uh, a spring, when it dries up with water, is no longer called a spring, is it? 
I remember this past summer, my mom brought me to, and, and I, I don't know if she brought the rest of the kids with us or not, but she talked about where the spring for their family was. They, they didn't have running water in their house. They'd have to go to the spring to get water. And she showed us where it was and things. And there was still a little bit of water coming out of that spring. So it was an active spring. But when there's no water coming out of the spring, it's not called a spring. But a well with no water is still called a well. You still call it, it's, it's dried up, but it's still a well. And this, uh, we need to understand that these individuals are trying to bring people to a well that is dry. They have no water. In mankind, there is inborn, in part of our nature, that we need God. It's, it's in us. God created us that way. And people attempt to satisfy this thirst that, that God has put in our hearts for Him they try to take that and they end up with substitutions. Hey, use this and use this and use this. Well, all the substitutions fail horribly. Fail horribly. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy. Amen? Only Him. Whosoever drinketh, this is Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman, whosoever drinketh, that means keep on drinking, of this water in this well, so thirst again. But whosoever drinketh, that's one time of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst. What a contrast. Amazingly different. You may repeatedly go to the broken cistern of this world and try to be satisfied. And try to be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. But you go to the well of the Lord Jesus Christ and you take one and you're satisfied. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that's our God. So these false teachers could not make this kind of an offer because they had nothing to offer. Come to our well. Come. But the well was dry. That's a useless well. It needs to be filled back in, not to be used. It's useless. They promised, but they could not produce. You know, if you've been involved in the uh, business world, you don't go back to the well. You don't go back to the guy who promises something and he doesn't produce, do you? You don't. I watched my dad in, in business and this guy would say, I could do this for you, Vern. I could do this for you, Vern. And they wouldn't do it. Dad's like, well, I ain't going back to you. You promised, but you couldn't produce. Someone else is going to get a shot. And so the, the, they promised things they could not produce. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. Now, this, this illustration is very vivid for me. Growing up next to the, uh, the water, I can remember lots of times seeing the fog and the mist starting to roll in off the water. That's, that's the idea here. And maybe, uh, maybe over a lake, uh, we got lots of big lakes around here, and that idea of, you know, those squalls that come off the lake. My house is westerly facing, so a lot of our, you know, uh, weather patterns come from the west in this area. Uh, I'm a bit of a, I like meteorology. It's a bit of a weird thing for me. I like the weather. I used to have a weather station where I lived in Newfoundland. I had it on my back porch. My wife bought it for me, but I couldn't bring it to Brampton. At any rate, that's a different story. Uh, at any rate, I love that kind of stuff. So I know, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I check the weather. I look out the window, and there's that big black cloud coming. And I'm like, okay, kids, come on inside. Get those papers in or whatever. We don't want to get soaking wet. But these clouds that are carried with tempests, they don't bring rain, though. Let's talk about here. They make lots of noise. There's commotion. Something to watch. But nothing profitable happens. 
It's just, it's just wind, which blows things around. The farmer is looking for that rain. I mean, we've got fields all around us, or not so much now, but when we first moved, there was lots of farmer's fields. They're looking for the rain, and all they get is a big windstorm. That doesn't help. You know, you know, a whole lot of false teachers, they give us a whole lot of nothing. Lots of commotion, lots of noise, lots of activity, but nothing that lasts. Nothing that lasts. The midst of darkness. That's the idea of blackness. The word mist means blackness or gloom. These apostates promise to lead people to the light, but they themselves are in the darkest of darkest places. How can... In reality, the blind lead the blind. They cannot, right? That's not possible. So why do these false teachers, how are they able to, I should say, find and attract followers? Well, it's in verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure to the fluss of the flesh through much wantonness those that are clean escape from them who live in error. First of all, the teachers, they're great promoters, these false teachers. They're great promoters of what they're trying to tell you. Uh, they, they try to impress people with their vocabulary. Have you met some people, and when you're done talking, you really don't know if anything was actually really said that was important? I've met some people like that. Especially people who are trying to prove to me living a wrong way is right. Uh, I've, I've, I've talked to some uh, individual Christians that maybe I had the opportunity to lead to the Lord. I have a very unique relationship with them, and I confronted them on some things. And they try to tell me why it's okay. And when they're done, I really don't know what they were trying to tell me, but say it's okay that they're sinning. You know, and the idea here is a false prophet, a false teacher, he says a whole lot of nothing, but he says lots of it. And, and the vocabulary is interesting, and the average person does not know how to listen and analyze the, their teaching, and really it's propaganda what they're trying to promote, and it could be through spoken word, you know, or in the printing press. So many Christians are, are lacking knowing the Bible. If they know the truth, they would know that what they're saying is error, but since they don't know the truth, and this guy sounds kind of okay, maybe I'll follow him. Hey, we need to be in God's Word to know the truth so then we know when the religious hustler comes through town and know the difference between him and their true servant of Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of hustlers around. And we need to know. Don't be impressed with great words and vocabulary and great ability to teach. In Acts, we are introduced to a fellow named Apollos. Now, Apollos had a great ability to preach, but he was preaching wrong. And I'm so glad that we have in that portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 18 that Priscilla and Aquila find out about him and hear him and say, hey, you need to know the truth. And I'm so glad Apollos changed his message when he received the truth. But so many people here, wow, let's follow him. Now, Paul was very careful not to build... His convert's faith on, on his words or his wisdom. He always, always directed back to Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not that he baptized, not my baptism. It's about Jesus, about following him. Now, Paul, I believe, was a very intelligent man, probably a very brilliant man. But he tried to stay simple and practical to help people know Jesus Christ. 
He preached to express the gospel. He did not preach to impress people. That's an important difference, folks. A true servant of Jesus Christ wants to express to you the Word of God so you can take it. The false teacher, he wants to impress you. He wants to impress you because he wants something from you. Okay? And I've read this this week, and this is so good. And it's something I've been mulling over and mulling over. I read, man, it's so good. There's a difference between communication and manipulation. I can communicate to you the truth of Jesus Christ. I tried to do that this morning when I preached. I communicated to you the truth of the Word of God. But sadly, there's so many false teachers who are trying to manipulate you when they communicate, when they tell you what they're telling you. There's a backstory. There's there's a way they want to tie it all together. The second reason the apostates are so successful in their appeal is they they appeal to the the base appetites of the flesh. And that's just not referring to sexual or anything, but just the fleshly desires and appetites in general. He you know that's the bait they use. Appeal to you. You know that for example pride, that's one of the the sins of the flesh. We saw that this week in our WBF lesson. A true servant of God will lovingly tell people they're lost. People need to know that they're lost without Jesus Christ. Amen? They need to know. I can do that in a loving way. I can tell them about Jesus. Let them know that He died for them and He provided salvation for them and they need to repent of their sin. Kind of like what I did this morning. I told, you know, told them how to be saved that whoever was here to hear. The apostate minister will try to avoid putting people on a guilt trip. be honest with you, I want the Holy Spirit to convict us all of sin. Amen? I don't want anyone to leave and say, well, I didn't feel any different. Well, it's not about me preaching, but the Holy Spirit moving in your heart. That's what I desire. That's, I, mean, I want to see that happen, but the apostate, well, oh, he'll tell you, oh, you're a good person and God loves you. And He needs them. God needs you. You're, you're already part of the family of God. I'm sorry, every time I thought about that this week, all I could think of is Joel Osteen. Actually, I'm not sorry. At all sorry. But that's what he preaches. With the nicest set of white, pearly teeth I've ever seen. And he tells you, yeah, you're all part. God needs you. And oh, come on to the Lord. It does everything to avoid to convict or make you feel guilty. I'll be honest, folks, I never get in this pulpit desiring to make you feel guilty. I want the Holy Spirit to move in your heart. Let Him do His work. His work is so much better and more complete than anything I could ever do. They, they avoid any talk of repentance. The apostates. Because they're proudful men. They don't want to repent. They like the way the things are going. The third reason they're successful is that they appeal to Immature believers, those who have recently uh, escaped their own ways or their old ways, you know, they've recently been saved. That's that's the ones I see so often in my experience. They end up getting, you know, took, taken away from the church or they leave the church as those who newly got saved. They have not yet been cemented in God's Word. And those little rascals come along. Oh, let me tell you about something. We got something better. We got freedom over here. You go to that church over there, you're not, and they start, 
They start talking about all those rules. You know, like I talked about this morning, all these rules. Oh, you can't. Oh, you, over there they have all these rules. They make up stuff. They lie. Apostates don't care. They don't lie. They lie all the time. It's important that as individual believers, as pastor, as Sunday school teacher, whatever we're doing, serving Jesus Christ, that when we see someone get saved, we're there to help them grow in their Christian life because salvation is just the beginning. And there's a whole lot of learning. There's a lifetime of learning about Jesus. And listen, we have a responsibility to aid and help the new believer. Hey, if you know a new believer is being uh, contacted by someone who's not teaching the truth, you have a responsibility to say something and definitely let the pastor know so I can help. We don't desire to see people getting uh, led away and baited by uh, the apostates. We're there to help them be established in the Word of God. And we need them to be established before we turn them loose in a dangerous old world that we live in. They need to know God's Word. Another reason uh, Peter wrote this letter was to warn the church to care for the new Christians. That was one of his desires because if you don't care for them, the false teachers, those who are off doctrinally, they'll get them. And can we really blame the new believer who's unstable? Really? doesn't know any different. He does not know. It's like a child who might see for the very first time a, a crosswalk. He does not understand the concept. We need, as a parent, we'll teach them, right? I hope you would. <laughs> this is how you go. You gotta wait for that signal. Wait for the hand. Unless you live in New York City, then you walk across it anytime you want, as I found out recently. Uh, but, you know, when that hand is up, you stop. When you see that little walking guy, walk. Look both ways. If we don't teach a child how to do that, and there's an accident at the accident scene, or at the crosswalk, that child didn't know any different. Hey, as a church, we need to be helping new believers be established in the Word of God. And folks, that's just not my job. Though I want to be involved with it, you all play a part in helping Christians be solidified and growing in their walk. The second reason why it's false is offered by false Christians. Verse 19, while they promise them <coughs> liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. You can't set someone free if you're in bondage yourself. Just think if you were in handcuffs and your friend next to you were in handcuffs. How can you help your friend who's in handcuffs get out of handcuffs if you're in handcuffs? Not possible. I mean, I guess you could find some way, but you know, we know that, you know what I'm trying to say. It's not possible that we could do that. And these false teachers are promising liberty when they are in absolute bondage. They weren't free. They were in bondage. And Peter made it clear that these men had temporarily disentangled themselves from the pollutions of the world, but then they went right back at it. They went right back. 
they've refreshed, they've refreshed to be saved, but they never really have been redeemed or set free at all. They go right back to it. Uh, verse 19 says, while they promise them. And that's the new believers. Uh, that's the ones who would listen to them. Liberty. They themselves, the apostates, are servants of corruption. They claim to be servants of God, but they're servants of sin. It's bad enough to be a slave, but, you know, but when your sin is your master, that's bad. To be a slave and the master of sin. That's horrible. You're in the worst possible condition a person can experience. And Peter was written so far that stay away from the false teachers because they will enslave you. For one thing, they are in bondage to money. We looked at this previous. Their covetousness forces them to use every kind of deceptive technique they could use to exploit innocent people. They, they are in bondage to fleshly lusts. And uh, they did some wicked things in morality as well. And they were enslaved by pride. They thought nothing uh, of speaking evil against uh, authority of God. They promoted themselves and tore down everybody else around them because they are full of pride. Sadly to say, these people are uh, a mire arrogance above anything else. It's all about arrogance, all about pride. It's interesting that uh, Peter mentioned three men from the Old Testament in this book so far, and that was Noah, Lot, and Balaam. Noah kept himself completely separated from the apostate world that he was living in. He boldly was a witness for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine all those years just building that ark? And he was a testimony. Even he never preached every day. I don't know what his itinerary was, but he was always a witness as he built. And he was faithful and he kept his family serving the Lord. And he was a great witness. But no one follows. But he stepped himself pure and kept to the truth. Then there was Lot. He knew the truth and he kept himself from the contamination of the city of Sodom, but he did not separate himself. He lost his family as a result. Lot did not partake of the wickedness of Sodom in the sense that he was following the lifestyle they had, yet he lived right in the midst of it and doing so he exposed his family his wife to those godless influences, and he lost his family. Balaam not only followed the ways of sin, but he encouraged other people to sin. He told Balak how to seduce a nation and to plan, you know, tell them how it did, how it went. You know, Lot lost his family. Uh, Balaam lost his life. Does that sound like something you want to be? We don't want to be part of that. It was, he was a false teacher. Beware of the deceitfulness of sin. Sin always promises freedom. Oh, you'll like it. Oh, this is what you want. This is what you desire. And we know from the Word of God there is a season of of pleasure in sin, but then there's reaping. And it always ends in bondage. It promises life, but brings death. You know, sin has a way of gradually... Binding people up so they think there is no way of escape. And that's where Satan exactly wants people. They don't want, they don't want him, he doesn't want them to turn to the Lord. Apart from the 
gracious intervention of the Lord, there is no hope for them. Just apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, people in bondage think they're absolutely free. I've met people like that that say, oh, oh, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. But the reality is they're in bondage to the appetites and habits and the sins in their life. They can't get free of it. Jesus Christ comes, He came to bring true freedom. True freedom. Now, we might get a different answer from that communist, and we might get a different answer from uh, the one who believes in democracy and what freedom is, but the freedom that the Lord Jesus Christ offers is absolutely true. His freedom, Christ's freedom, is different from the apostates because He accomplishes it differently, doesn't He? He, he accomplishes it through His own doing. Freedom does not mean doing your own thing and having it your own way. Is it Burger King that says to have it your own way? I think it's Burger King. That's the attitude of sin. I'll have it my way. I'll do it my way. The freedom of Jesus Christ offers means fulfillment in the will of God. Not having it your way, but doing it the way God wants it done. That's where we'll find freedom. That's where we'll find uh, excellence in our lives. It's the that's the when we do that, we're achieving the greatest potential for our lives when we follow God's will. You know, back when I was in Bible college, I could have said no to the Lord working in my heart to become a pastor. God, I could have done that. I could have said no. God gives me a will, given all of us a will. I could have said no. I don't want to do that. I know, I'd rather go work for my dad and work at his tire shop. He's got a good business. I could do those things, live my life the way I want to do it. I'm so glad that I followed God's will for my life. That's not to say that it's been all roses and sunshine and smile and giggles every day. There's been a lot of hard days. There's been a lot of days of tears. There's lots of days when my heart was broken. But I find within following God's will for my life, there's all kinds of freedom. I'm no longer in freedom or in bondage to sin, amen? I'm not. I have freedom to serve Jesus Christ. I have liberty in Christ. That the world can never ask me. The apostate might try to fool me, but he doesn't have anything. His well is dry. And he makes all kinds of noise. He makes all kinds of commotion. But I want to hear that sweet, still voice. You don't hear this small voice in a storm, do you? In the sense of commotion and racket. You need to hear that still, small voice of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Listen for it. Now the, the apostate wants noise and racket and motion, commotion and, and feed those of appetites, feed those things. Well, the Lord says, "Come, I'll show you the true way. I'll bring you by. I'll bring you to the pastures, you know, in Psalms, still waters. That's the way the Lord works. That's the way He operates." Those who live by God's truth enter into more and more freedom, and those who live by lies experience more 
and more bondage. And the Bible says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Temporal reformation without true repentance and rebirth only leads to greater sin. And the reality is we can't reform ourselves. We need to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And a reformation cleans up the outside. That's what we talked about this morning. The outside. What needs to be changed is the inside. And the apostates are not changed inside. They are living for sin. They are not, they are unregenerated. They are not part of the family of God. The sinful tendencies do not disappear when a person reforms. You know, I have dealt with lots of people over the years from, uh, you know, drug addictions to other addictions to, you know, a sinful uh, habit or whatever. And listen, they never get freedom. They never get away from that bondage until they accept Jesus Christ. I've seen it so many times. And that's not to say they never have a problem going forward, but if they do have a problem, they go to the Lord with it. Now, you know what I found is that those sinful tendencies, they don't disappear with reform. Rather, they merely hibernate, if you'll let me use that term, and they get stronger. And then something happens, there's an event, there's a stressor, and bam! They're doing it worse than they ever did before. Well, you can't reform yourself. You need Jesus. You need to be transformed. And the idea here, the, the, the apostate is just like that. He's trying to preach to you and promise to you things that he can't guarantee and he can't produce. And, and lots of noise, lots of racket. Tells you you got liberty if you do it our way and things of that nature. Listen, you can expect nothing but bondage from the preaching, or if you want to call it that, the teaching, the doctrine, the apostates bring to the table. And as Christians, I admonish you. And as if you haven't got this admonishment yet, as we've been going through the series, get it tonight. Be in God's word. If you are in God's word, you'll know the truth. You'll know the truth, and you will not fall for the lies and the deception of the false teacher. And you'll be able to be that standard or that example for other Christians around you. Listen, we have a responsibility to help those around us, those new Christians, immature Christians. Those Christians who are struggling with things, hey, we need to be helping them. We need to be helping them. Now, we, we need to have a desire to obey God. The apostates, they desire to disobey God. They don't want to heed His Word. You, you, if you read through Second Peter, you see it time and time again. In verse 21, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Then after they had known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You can expect nothing from false freedom. The freedom that these apostates issue and they talk about. We need to be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us to know the truth and to declare it with love and compassion. Let's pray.